I got to watch Disney's, uh, I think it's their newest animated uh, show, Encanto, this week. And I've been meaning to watch it for a while. And I just hadn't watched it and hadn't watched it. And then finally, I think it was Thursday or Friday, we were kind of kicking around the house in the evening. And we're like, "Eh, let's watch it. Let's see what it is. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, this is perfect. This is my message on Sunday. But one of the great themes of this show was that there's, there's multiple gifts that make a family work, but what's more important than your specific gift is that you yourself are a gift to the family. And I was like, thank you, Lord, for the timing of a, a great little Disney show with fantastic Latin music, which gets my, gets my hips going. I got to be honest. It's like, ooh, it's fun. And, and it ties right in. So we are picking up Ephesians 4, verse 7. And as we read this, I want you to be thinking about these questions. Do you think of the church as a gift of God to you? And you may never have thought of that, ever. Do you think of the church, not the corporation, the, the people of God, the family of God, as a gift to you? Do you think of yourself as a gift from God to help the church grow. That's what we're reading about. So verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And before I go on, obviously the sentence started with but, which means there's another thought ahead of this. Go back and listen to the podcast from last week. It's on the website or it's on iTunes or it's different places. Go back and listen where we talked about the gift of God. First, the immeasurable gift of Christ that is given to all of us um, and how important it is that we're learning to walk together. And then we pick up again. Okay, so I'll just read it again. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives And he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about Jesus. And he, Jesus, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, your translation might say pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now there's probably two or three messages in here of what I just read. And I'm anticipating we might, we might be still in here again next week. But we're going we're gonna to dive into three things today. We're going to be learning about Christ's authority in giving gifts, Christ's generosity in giving gifts, and Christ's purpose in giving gifts. And it's important for us to understand something, that it is Christ Jesus himself who gave gifts to men. And this is a striking striking difference when Paul's quoting this and Paul's writing this letter to the, to the Ephesians when he quotes from the Old Testament it says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men that comes from Psalm 68 verse 18 except if you go back and read Psalm 68 18 that's not quite what it says In, in Psalm 68, it says he, he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he received gifts from men. And Paul, as he's referencing this, this verse, it's like he brings this whole verse into the new covenant. And we start recognizing one of the key, key points in this new covenant that we live in, where God is not just receiving from you. The new covenant is much more about what God is pouring out and and how he is blessing you. And in that, as he's blessing you and pouring out his favor on you, something happens in your heart. We're not violating Psalm 68, 18, saying that he's no longer receiving gifts from us. But as he focuses, he's pouring out gifts on his people. Our hearts are are changed. Remember last week talking about the immeasurable gift of, of Christ himself? It changes something in our hearts. And everything he's giving to us, we want to pour back out. We want to give back to him. We want to offer to him. But it's not from this place of, I have to do all of these things for God. He's the conquering king, and, and I'm like this, this slave, and I'm bringing my tribute. No, he's blessing his people, and we're just offering tribute back to him. Acts 2.33 speaks of, of Jesus having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. and says that Jesus is the one who has poured out this in, in Acts 2, when it's like the Holy Spirit is being poured out on the church for the first time. Who is it that does this? Jesus has done this. Jesus is the one blessing his church, pouring out his spirit on the church. Jesus has received from the Father, and now he is giving to the church. He has authority from the Father. To give, to give gifts to the church. 
I'm going to read you a funny quote. I think it's funny anyway. Brian Chapel used to teach at a Presbyterian seminary. He says this, the Holy Spirit gives us different gifts for different purposes in the church. The sweet side of this reality is that we have complementary strengths, weaknesses, interests, and personalities. The distasteful side is that these differences cause us to get on each other's nerves. Too often, we end up singing our personal versions of the song from Cinderella. Why can't she be more like me? The simple answer is that God did not make that person like you. Christ apportioned the gifts differently among us, and he has the authority to do so. Thank you, Brian Chapel. Jesus pours out gifts as he apportions, as he chooses, in the church. Now, Paul makes a point in verse 9, talking about this ascended Christ. Like, he's exalted. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's like king over heaven and earth. And this ascended Christ, he said, he first descended. He made himself like us, and he descended to the world. And it's a key, key thing that we need to understand. Yes, Jesus has all the authority, but he's also a model for us. Jesus, the one with authority to give good gifts, first descended. He left his glory. He wasn't just after the glory. He actually left the glory, came down, became one of us, and before his exaltation came his incarnation. For Jesus to be incarnate means he came as one of us, came in the flesh to live as one of us. Incarnation, just coming and hanging out in the neighborhood, being a part of the family, precedes the exaltation where the gifts begin to emerge. We begin to see, we see Jesus for who he is. Actually, we begin to see you more as who you are as we hang out together. Your gifts are an extension of Jesus' love for his people. Now, I want to focus in on on Christ's generosity. The gifts of the risen Christ. Paul focuses in on, on, some will say four, some will say five, leadership gifts in the church. And in in our culture, we tend to be suspicious of leaders, don't we? We tend to... We tend to kind of like, I don't want to, I don't want to be under too much authority. Like we value freedom. We value autonomy. And so when we read this, we need to be reminded, Paul's writing about a blessing and he's actually writing about the generosity of God giving gifts to the church, giving leadership gifts to the church. And he lists five of them here. It says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. What are these? Who are these? Apostles are actually master builders 
foundation layers and fathers in the church. This is what apostles do. They help us catch a bigger vision for the church. What do prophets do? Prophets teach how to be the church in our present context. We have the word of God. We have scripture. And we'll get to that in a second. How do we apply this now? How do we, what, what does God have for us to do? It's like the, why are we in the Hilliard neighborhood? I can't find Hilliard in here anywhere. I can't find Spokane in here anywhere. How do we be the church of God? How do we apply kingdom principles in our day, in our time? Prophetic leaders help us to do this and they help us answer this question. What is God saying? What is God saying to us in our context? Now, it's going to match up with scripture. Yes, absolutely. But what is God saying to us? Evangelists are leaders with a particular heart for the lost. The lost meaning people who don't yet know Jesus, who have yet to discover the good news. The Bible says that, the, that everyone who is outside of Christ, outside of Jesus, is lost. But Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And evangelists get very passionate about this. They have a heart for sinners, a heart not just for the church people and seeing church people developed and growing, but also for the lost. And then we have pastors and teachers, and people go back and forth on this. Is this one class of, of people? And there's, say, it's pastors and teachers, and I tend toward this one, but I also see that there's pastoral gifts in people who suck at teaching, <laughs> and there's people who are fantastic teachers uh, who, whose heart for people is lacking. So there's room here, I think, for, for there's room for nuance. But pastors and teachers do this. They make scriptural truth plain. Hopefully what I'm doing today is not just making this super confusing, but making scripture plain and easier to understand. And pastorally, hopefully I'm doing this in a way that is caring for you, that you are, you are sensing the care of God for you. But in the church, pastors, actually a lot of pastors don't have a title called pastor. A lot of pastors are those who are, they have a heart for you and they love you and they want to see you cared for. And when, when we set Gordon in as an elder, really as one of the pastors of, of this church, he was already demonstrating a care for the church and a love for you and a desire to see you cared for. Didn't need a title to do that. He was just doing that. God has given us as the church. He's given us these four or five gifts. He says, I'm giving you apostles. I'm giving you leaders with a heart for the world and a heart to see strong foundations laid into the church, apostolic 
doctrine laid into the church. I'm giving you prophets who are going to help you sense and, and learn an awareness of God's presence so that you can say, yes, this is what God is saying. I'm giving you evangelists, leaders with a heart for the rest of the city around you, not those that are already in the four walls of your church and in your family. And I'm giving you pastors and teachers to train you and to love you well and see to it that the church is loving itself, loving one another well. All five of these gifts are equippers of the church. An apostle doesn't just have a heart for the world. An apostle equips the church to be apostolic. A prophet doesn't just say, this is what God is saying. A prophet equips the church to know what God is saying and to learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for themselves. An evangelist doesn't just go save the lost for you. An evangelist equips you to know how to lead your friends to Christ. A a teacher, a pastor helps you become more pastoral. A teacher helps you become more of a communicator of God's word. These are gifts meant to equip the church, equip the saints. Who are the saints? You, me, we are the saints. The Catholic church will will declare someone a saint because they've done, you know, a, a couple of, of miracles that have been uh, confirmed and they'll do a lot of like digging into their life and make sure this person is like, did they really love Jesus? Did they really serve Jesus? And then they'll have these ceremonies where they declare someone a saint. But when Paul talks about a saint, it means the consecrated ones. He's talking about every believer So we're not just equipping some special group of people called the saints. My job as a leader is to equip you, the saints, to do the work of ministry. And the gifts of these leaders are a gift of God. They're they're examples of God's generosity to you. When you have leaders around your life, this is a sign of God's generosity in your life. That's cool. He generously gives us leadership. Why? We're already into it. Christ's purpose to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What does it mean to minister? It means to serve. It means to serve people. My job is to equip you to serve people. This is from N.T. Wright. You know I like to quote him. Sometimes when the church debates the nature of different offices, sometimes they'll call like an apostle or a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, an office. When we debate the nature of different offices and ministries, you get the impression that these things exist for their own sake, as though the main point of there being a church in the first place was that certain people would be special within it. The opposite is the case. The main point of certain people having special roles is so that every single Christian and the church as a whole may be equipped for their work of service. 
And I love this word, to equip. It literally means to put right. Like if somebody's bone is broken and you mend the bone, this is the same word that's used for equip. I'm setting the bone right. I'm helping, helping that bone be strengthened so that it can you know, carry the support and do everything that the arm needs it to do. It's the same word for mending nets. And it's also the same word for completing something that's already good. Equipping you doesn't mean just that you are broken and you need repair. My, my job, I'm not, I'm not like, you guys are really messed up. It's a good thing I'm here. <laughs> it's actually, it's helping identify things that are in you that are already good and calling them out of you and equipping you, helping, you, helping fit you for service so that you are freed to be who God has created you to be. Why do we have, have, why do we have leaders to equip the church for works of ministry and to build up the body of Christ? And it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Would you say, have, have we in the church across the world, have we attained to the unity of the faith? <laughs> I think the easy answer to that would be no. No. Uh, in fact, just across our own nation, the unity of the faith is being fragmented. And even what is the faith? People are picking and choosing. Well, I like this. I don't like this. This is good with the faith. This is outdated. This is old. We need leaders to help the church unify in the faith. This is what the Bible teaches. These gifts are given until we all attain now to mature manhood. And the ladies are going, I don't think I'm ever going to attain to mature manhood. I hope you don't. <laughs> the point is that we are called not like literally the mature manhood here. I want to I want to grab this. Literally in the Greek, it's a, it's to a full-grown man. The, and and it's using a singular word here because we together, male and female, we together are the body of Christ. One body. Right? We've, we've hit on that a few times. One body. And we want to see this body, this human, attain to the fullness of Christ. To a full-grown man. No longer children. And, and Paul describes what it means. What does it mean to be a spiritual child? It means you're easily swayed. You're tossed to and fro. I can preach one thing, and then you could go to a church down the street, and you could hear something almost just totally contradictory, and you just kind of go, yeah, okay. And you just kind of go along with whatever the, the, the preacher on the radio said last, whatever the song on the radio that you heard that may or may not have decent theology at all. And you just kind of, you're tossed to and fro, and to and fro. Yes, there's security in Christ. What the heck are you talking about? No, there's no security in Christ. Like, 
Yes, I'm, I'm favored in God because of the righteousness of Christ. No, you're not. God hates you. You're a sinner. And you're just like, God doesn't want you to be tossed to and fro. He wants us to grow up. <laughs> no longer children, tossed to and fro by the waves, by every wind of doctrine. There's so many good things in here. I think I'm going to skip some of them, though. Basically, it says, though, through cheating. The devil wants to cheat you out of the gospel. He wants to cheat you. The word that's used here for trickery and deceit is the Greek for cheating at dice. I'm going to the casino, and I'm cheating. It says, this is what... This is what a lot of doctrine can do, can sound really wise. If I start throwing things out, well, the Greek says this, the Greek means this, the Hebrew says this, and you're like, really? Really? We don't want to cheat you. We don't want to trick you. We want to lead you into the fullness of Christ. And that's what God wants for you. about to wrap this up here. What are we to do? Speak the truth in love. Literally, truthing in love. I like this one. I'm called to speak the truth in love to you, but also I'm called to equip you, all of you, to speak the truth in love to one another, to be truthing in love. And that we would all grow up into the head, which is Christ. Only Christ gets to be the head of the body. No one else. John is not the head. Christ is the head. You ever seen a baby? Of course you have. <laughs> ever seen a baby? Babies have big heads. Sometimes I, I've, I'll see babies and I go, everyone's like, oh, it's so cute. And I'm like, that head is ginormous. This is such a, such a huge head. Babies have big heads. And then as they grow, their body will grow into the head. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes okay. In relative terms, some people have bigger heads than others. Yes. But hopefully our body grows to where as an adult, you're not walking around with like Charlie Brown head. You know, like. The, the Peanuts characters just have these giant heads. Well, Christ is the head of the church, but we are maturing and we're growing up into Christ. So compared to him as the head, he's perfect. He's majestic. This amazing Jesus. And then we're the body of Christ still growing up into the head. And the role of leaders is to help you and help all of us together to grow up into the head, a fit partner for Jesus. If we want to be considered members of Christ, this is what John Calvin says, if we want to be considered members of Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let us all be whatever we are for the benefit of each other. Isn't that great? Whatever you may or may not think of, of John Calvin, He's got some fantastic stuff to say. 
If we want to be considered members of Christ, let no man be anything for himself, but let us all be whatever we are for the benefit of each other. It says, and when we do this, different gifts in the church, like you're letting leaders kind of call you out and equip you and shape you, different gifts in the church, all working together, bringing us together as a church makes the body grow. And it's actually Jesus himself who makes the body grow so that it, the body, builds itself up in love. You see this awesome combination? It's God who makes the body grow, but it's the body that builds itself up. We're partnering with God in seeing his kingdom come, his will being done right here in the family. So summary, here it is. In Jesus' authority, generosity, and purpose, we've been given good gifts. People gifts, like we said at the beginning, you're the gift. What's my gift? How do I serve? How do I function? You are the gift. Start there. Just your presence, your encouragement, you are the gift. But we're given all these, good, these gifts by Jesus to help us grow and mature as a church family. So I have a question for you based on all of this. Where do you personally need to grow up into Christ? Everybody's going to have a different answer to that. Where do you need to grow up? I'm not asking. You don't have to be like, let me tell you. You might even just snap a shot of the screen with that on it. Where, so you can think about it and not forget Where do you personally need to grow up into Christ? What step is Jesus asking you to take next for your growth and for ours? 